Brought to you by Penguin. Hello, and welcome to the Penguin Podcast, where we talk to all kinds of writers about writing. I'm Derek Owusu, and today I'll be talking to Alison Hammond, one of the nation's most loved television hosts, who in her time on This Morning has tap danced with Renee Zellweger, rapped with Will Smith, and jammed with Russell Crowe. Following the murder of George Floyd and in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement, Alison made a documentary for ITV called Alison Hammond, Back to School, in which she explored important black British figures who have been ignored by history's curriculum in the UK. Her new children's book, Black in Time, shines a light on a whole host of incredible black Britons who aren't as well known as they should be, drawn from the worlds of science, sport, the arts, politics and more. So, Alison, it's very good to talk to you today. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. It's lovely to be in the studio with you. Yes. We tried this once, didn't we? It didn't we did. work. It didn't work. Didn't I'm quite just work. not technical. Yeah. Just not technical with these podcasts at all. That's why I don't do one. <laughs> <laughs> wrong wrong colour wire. Yeah, absolutely, completely wrong colour. Um, so, yeah, we're here to talk about Black in Time. Amazing title, see what by I the did way. There. Yeah, that's all you back did. Back in time. Yep. It's a history book. <laughs> it's about black figures. It's amazing, isn't it? it I is. love the title. It came to me actually when I was doing my documentary mm-hmm. uh, on ITV about black figures. It's called Alice and Hammond Back to School. Yep. And I said to them, let's do Black in Time. They went, oh, no, we don't want to do that title. And I think it was a little bit controversial. I don't know why ITV didn't want to feature it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was excellent. And I just thought, well, you know what? If I ever do a book, yeah. that is going to be my title. And okay. I'm not going to do the book unless that is the title because that's literally what it is. It's going back in time in history on a little journey about black figures who were pretty much unknown. And I'm kind of bringing them to the forefront for everyone to enjoy and yeah. everyone to, to see. But yeah, it's for this book is for everybody, you know, children of colour, uh, white children, Chinese, anyone who wants to learn about these characters and these figures, real figures in time who helped to shape Britain. And I just think it's a lovely book. And I want to be clear that it is for everybody because yesterday I went to the gym and a woman came up to me and it was quite interesting her use of language, to be honest with you. And she turned to me and she said, how are you allowed to write that book, Black in Time? Imagine if I had... This is what she said. Imagine if I had done a book called White in Time. I said, well, there are quite a few books about white. They're called history books. (laughs) (laughs) There's quite a few. If you just go to your library, there's quite a few history books that feature a lot of white people. So I thought it'd be nice to to feature black people. I don't know if you've noticed, but I am a black woman. I do find, you know, black people quite interesting, you know, and that's what I chose to do. So hopefully you will read the book. This book is for you in particular. So, yeah, I think she was just an uneducated thing to say to me. I was quite taken aback, to be honest with you, because I hadn't even thought about it offending anybody. I didn't realise that book or that title could offend. And I just want to say to anyone, if this offends you, there's an issue there. Yeah. Because this book is for everybody. Everyone can learn about different figures. It doesn't matter what your your colour or your race is. This is more about stories. Yeah. This is more about amazing, incredible people, what they did and how they can inspire you to do great things as well. And yeah, and if they do take offence, then that's even more reason to read the book in the first place. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. So you, you collaborated with a, another writer on this. Um, yeah. Emma Nori. Um, So what was that process like? So obviously I wanted to write the book and as we all know, I'm not a writer and I'll be really honest with that. I'm not a big writer, but I really wanted 
Well, this book was like the sort of present that I would have liked at age of eight, you know, growing up, having people who look like me to aspire to, to see that, you know, I was part of history. Because if you don't know where you stand with regards to your history, then you don't know how you kind of fit in, really, and how you're part of the makeup. So it was kind of like the book that I wanted to give my eight-year-old self, but I knew if I wrote it, it was probably going to take about 25 years, <laughs> if I'm honest. If I wanted it to be correct and I wanted it to be perfect, I knew it was going to take me about 25 years. And I ain't got 25 years. I wanted this book out now. And Puffin were just great, actually. They introduced me to Emma Norrie, and straight away we clicked, and she totally got where I was coming from. We were on the same page and she literally lifted this book out of where I wanted it to be. It's literally everything that I had in my heart. Mm. She brought it out. She's an amazing writer and it's just wonderful. She's captured my voice, how I wanted it. And, you know, I mean, I've been on her back a lot. You know, I've changed this and I've changed that. But she's just really open to it. And I'm just so happy with the end results, to be honest with you. Yes, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Book. And there's loads of different history books out there. Great history books out there you can go to. But this one in particular, I absolutely love. It's got my voice. It's fun. It's uplifting. And it's just a positive message. Obviously, we have to go to certain dark places in the book. But I think it's important that we go there, address it, and then move forward. And obviously, you know, published by Puffin, so it's for children. Yeah. But adults should read this book as well. I mean, I was reading it and I was, there were so many things that were just blowing my mind. And I was just like, wow. Like, And I obviously feel like, oh, I know my blackness. I know my black history. Yeah. But then reading that, I was just like, whoa, I actually don't know that much. Just... Do you know what? It, it does come under this, the disguise of a children's book. Non-fiction, nine to 12-year-olds, it's four. But I'll be honest with you, most parents are going to love this. People are going to, they're beginning reading it to their kids going, I didn't know this, Septimius Severus. What are you talking about? He was in the Roman times and he was an emperor. Wait, what, what's going on here? So I think this book will be inspiring to so many people. My only dream would be to get this book into schools so that there's a reference that you could go to it. You know, it's really well written. And obviously with history, there's certain bits of history... You can't find out absolutely everything and it is really difficult. That's what what was so hard about the book, if anything. We had an amazing historian. She came on board, Olivette Atelle. She was incredible. And she came on board and she fact-checked the whole book because we needed somebody to fact-check it. We also used, I thought, well, being as she's going to help us fact-check it, we also put her in the book as well because she's inspiring. But she's an amazing historian and she fact-checked the whole book and made sure that it was all on point so this book is accurately correct as much as we could as yeah. far as back as we could go in the information that we had so when you put in the book together were there any facts or figures that kind of blew you away where you were just like oh my god wow that's so interesting i think one of the stories that really resonated with me was the story of sarah ford's bonetta mm -hmm. and it was the fact that there's this african princess literally stolen from her native island. You know, she'd just lost her parents. Both of her parents were murdered on this island and then she was stolen and gifted to Queen Victoria. And I was like, what? Well, I'm blown away by that. And I just couldn't believe that this woman had been gifted as a present. Like, we were, just, we're not like a person, really. We're yeah. just like a thing. It, I mean, she was absolutely bowled over by Sarah, but basically she was just... 
a gift. She was like a nothing. But there's so many stories that blew me away, facts and figures and things like that. What I've also done is I've got loads of people from here and now who are doing incredible things. And I thought that was quite important as an inspiring link. So who can we look up to who are around here and now? So I got to interview those people and that's where I got to put my interviewing skills to the test as well. Yeah, It's one of those books that you can come back to. You can just say, do you know what? I'm just going to learn about one character today. You can go to that and learn about that one character and then absorb it because it just takes time to absorb this book. Absolutely. And then you go away, you think about it, you think, oh my goodness, that's amazing what they did. But it is one of those books you can just keep coming back to. Mm. So... In a couple of the opening pages, you mentioned a time machine. So I wanted to ask you, if you could go back in time and interview one of these figures face-to-face, who would it be? That's a really good question. Well, firstly, I don't know if I want to go back in time. I'm quite happy in 2022. (laughs) They weren't really nice to people. They were the same colour as me. So I don't know if I'd want to go back in time. But if I was to, maybe Ira Aldridge, maybe the actor, because he was an amazing actor. And... You know, he's really into Shakespeare. And at the age when I was like 14 growing up, I used to absolutely love acting. I was in something called the Central Television Workshop. So I was quite obsessed with text and Shakespeare and trying to make, literally try and understand it. I really struggled with Shakespeare. I just didn't understand it. And to to know about Ira Aldridge, I think that would have been quite interesting to study his story back at the time to know that, do you know what? You can do this, Alison. If If I knew about him, maybe back then... I would now be a Shakespearean actor. Mm. Who knows? Because I would have seen him and thought, well, he's done it. You know, representation is really important. Seeing yourself is so important. Absolutely. 100% agree. And I think that that's one thing that this book will do for young people as well. You know, it's just be mind blown by all of the black figures in the past who have done these amazing things. And, you know, yeah. Who did you, who was you surprised by, Derek? Who did you like? Um, So, like I said, Septuagint Severus. Septimius Severus. Septimius Severus. Yes. Um, because I'm really into, well, I used to be like really into like kind of stoicism. And then obviously really? hearing his connections with Marcus Aurelius as well, who wrote the meditations yeah. as well. And you're right, you know, it just doesn't occur to you that, okay, wait, well, these guys are from North Africa. So, you know what I mean? They must be melanated yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. So that- but I think it's the fact that you've never seen it, though, when you was at school. I don't know what your history is. You don't seem very oh, old. No, no, I'm, I'm 34. So, Matt, did you do black history? Maybe no, you did, nothing, did you not? nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. And that's what's so sad about it. I, I was talking to Adrian Lester, that there's an interview in the book. He couldn't believe that he'd gone through school, he'd gone through RADA, and he literally could not believe that he'd never heard of Ira Aldridge mm. in his time. Bearing in mind that this man was into Shakespeare, was into acting, was an actor. He'd never heard of him way into his 40s, do you know what I mean? And... He just finds that incredible that yeah. he didn't know anything about that. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think it's it's not a sense of shame. It's I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I felt a little bit of shame, that the, the amount of things that I didn't know. But I don't think you need to find shame in it. I just think that's just the way our life went. We didn't know about it. We weren't taught about it. Uh, but life is different now and you can learn about it. No, absolutely. And it also makes you wonder, you know, what else is missing? 
who else is missing from I think our there's history? Loads. Yeah. And but not necessarily black people. There could be Asian, yep. Chinese who have helped with the British Empire. Who knows? And that's why I, I, with this book, I want to inspire writers and maybe inspire children to maybe become historians and maybe they take on the role of finding more out. Don't just stop at my book because my book might not have all the information. You can go out and do your own studies and your own findings and stuff like that. So hopefully it inspires more historians. Who knows? I think it definitely will. So on the Penguin Podcast, we always ask our guests to bring items that have inspired them, you know. Um, so why do you they... do that then? Why do you do this? I guess it just makes the, the interview a lot more interesting, you know. Okay. It, it gives you a deeper insight into I love it. the writer's mind. Do you know what I mean? I love um, it. So I love when you call me a writer. You are right. Of course you are. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I had a lot of help with this book. I am a writer, but... I'm more like an editor writer. We all, I mean, I'm a writer myself, but could I do it without my editor? Absolutely not. <laughs> it, it's always a joint effort. Yeah. Putting a book together. Yeah. Always. So, of course, you're a writer. Okay, fine. I'll accept the own it, title. Own it, yeah. I'm going to own it. <laughs> yes. Yes, Derek. Yes. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, your, your first item is something that changed you. Yes. Now, what is that? Did I go for a chocolate orange? Terry's chocolate orange. <laughs> <laughs> but you're thinking, why did that change? Me? I'm interested to hear the story. The first person to give me a Terry's chocolate orange was my father. My father was just such a weird character in the sense of he would rock up. He wasn't in my life at all. He, he lived in Jamaica and then he'd come over here and there, sporadic. Just really wasn't there for me. But I remember, I just remember chocolate orange because he's the first one who gave me chocolate orange. So if I taste it straight away instantly, I think about my dad. But it's just the fact that he literally would rock up and pretend like we were a normal family. So I hadn't seen him for like years on end. But he'd continue to like go, oh, my baby, I've missed you so much. And like, as if we were just like a normal family. There was no like acknowledgement to the fact that he'd never been there for me or anything. And he used to be like that throughout all my life. So I don't know what it is with the Terry's chocolate orange. I think of my, not necessarily sad past, but I think of a past where I think about my father a lot. I lost my dad in 2020. Oh, and it's, and no, it's life, isn't it? This is what happens. We, we live, we die. And... You know, it was the first time I'd ever cried about my dad. Yet he wasn't there in my life because I suppose it was just the ending, the fact that, that I'd never been able to address mm. how he'd behaved in my life and I really wanted to address it to him. But really and truly, it didn't really matter because ultimately he was just the dad that he could be. So were you crying for the loss in the it, moment or the loss so, of a father throughout your life? Because I'd lost my mum in the same year as well. So I'd become an orphan. I think it was just the whole... Everything was just on top of me. I think I'd lost my mom, I'd lost my dad. I felt like I had no roots. I was tied to nothing. It was just a, a moment where I just felt lost. That mm. was the first time when I lost both my mom and dad. I felt a little bit, oh, I'm here on my own. Mm. And when you now go for like go for a Terry's chocolate, I think orange, about my dad. You think straight about away. your dad yeah, straight, straight away, yeah. and I think about bad memories. So I try and stay away from it. So it is an item. Oh, where, interesting. It, okay. Yeah. Well, I love it. I'm not yeah. going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> if you tap and unwrap, I'm going to go for it. But yeah, it does remind me of my dad. He always comes in. So I would prefer to stay away from it and have a bounty instead. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> But it's so interesting you say that because, you know, similarly, funny, my, my dad was kind of, he's not really been in my life much. Yeah. But then there'll be moments where he would come to the house with a bucket of KFC <laughs> and act like everything was normal. Yeah. Like, well, why do you think they, they do that? Do you think it's because for them to just 
feel normal and know that mm. you're happy with them and not angry. Yeah, and I think it's like it's guilt as well. Yeah, I think they feel guilty. They feel like by giving us something that we're definitely gonna like, you know, yeah. young children are gonna love KFC or chocolate and stuff. Yeah, they feel like they're doing their fatherly duty. Yeah, for a moment, and then they enjoy that moment, and then it's just back to. Back to normal. Back, back to, to normal. see you late. Then you're not going to be here for me. Yeah. What about when I'm like need help with my homework? Yeah, yeah. He was never there for me. I did actually struggle with my reading as a child. So this is another reason why I'm a little not bitter. I'm just a bit like, oh, I needed you. My mum worked all the hours, God sent, mm-hmm. and never really read with me purely because she was working so much. She didn't have time to read with me and stuff like that. And nobody noticed that I wasn't reading very well. And it was not until I got into the drama school and we had to read scripts and stuff, the uh, leader of the group came over to me and said, just read that aloud, Alison. And I read it. I said, do I have to read it aloud? Can I just read through it first? And I read through it. He says, do you struggle with your reading? I says, a little bit. He says, we're going to read together Hmm. every week. And he took me on board and he said, when you go home, get your mum's newspaper or any any sort of book and just read it aloud all the time. That's how I got myself. The age of 12... 12 years old I started reading aloud all the time and that's how I got into to reading but no one noticed that I actually did really struggle secondly I needed glasses nobody noticed right, I needed yeah, glasses yeah, yeah. once I got my glasses everything was a lot better that's another reason why it's so incredible to think there's this girl who really struggled with her reading didn't want to read aloud or anything like that in class would always avoid it if the teacher said oh can you read aloud I go oh, I need the toilet now I've got a book out mm-hmm. and I'm on national TV reading Autokyo. It blows my <laughs> mind sometimes when I think, wow, look how far I've come. So I guess you still feel like that that child, don't you? You still feel like that person that's always going to be you. Yeah, you definitely do. You know, I mean, similarly to me, I didn't read much when I was young. Yeah. The first book I ever read was when I was 23. Wow. Yeah, covered cover. No, no uh, comics, no... Absolutely nothing. I, I just thought of reading as just being so arduous it was just yeah. so tough it was a chore it was, it was schoolwork yeah like, why am i going to be at home and be doing schoolwork which i thought reading a book was and now you're an author and now i'm an author <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed with literature it's, cra- now. it's crazy isn't it yeah it just takes one person to introduce it to you properly exactly and then everything just clicks yeah yeah and that's what it was for give me. you that little bit of time that's all you need yeah exactly there's no rush for these things as no. well yeah no absolutely um okay so moving on to your second object which is something you should have thrown away. Oh, it's got to be my bandanas. I'm obsessed with bandanas. I wear them all the time. But I don't wear them, like, for a bit. Like, I wear them till they're dying, Mm. like raggedy rags. They are my everything. It's how I feel comfortable, like, at home. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I rock up to this morning looking homeless, (laughs) and I leave looking a million dollars. I can see people looking at me thinking... Is that Alison Hammond? <laughs> <laughs> but my bandanas, maybe I should have thrown them, but they just make me feel at home. I mm. love them. And you can do so much with them. See, I can remember when my son was really, really small and he needed a tissue. I couldn't find one. Take my bandana off. <laughs> Blow your nose in there. <laughs> Sorted. Why bandanas though? Why not like a do-rag or 
Well, just I guess well, your I general cloth. I just like or the something. I like the patterns. Oh, I the like pa- the diff- okay. I like the different colours. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that if you was hot, you could put it in some ice water, put it on your head, cools you down on holiday. Oh, I've never done that before. That's, See, that's a good idea. Exactly, it's always there for you if mm. you need if you need a cloth, you've got it. If someone has an accident, mm-hmm. gets shot, <laughs> I could do a tourniquet for them. You know what I mean? Mm. I just love a bandana. I can't go to bed without a bandana. How many do you have? That's a very good question. There's a lot. I don't know. I reckon probably about 75. 75? I reckon about 75. And they do need a bit of a fold and a wash. <laughs> do you have like a separate corner for them? Or I've got a drawer. A bandana drawer, right? <laughs> a reckon. bandana drawer. But some of them don't get used. There's one pink one that I use all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a Jamaican one that I use literally every time I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a childhood thing. I love my bandanas, but maybe it's time to get rid. Why? Because it would free up a little bit more space in my drawers and I could buy more knickers and bras. (laughs) 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 And my bras are quite big. They need a bit of space. (laughs) They're like hammocks. In fact, that's that's what I might do next. Hammond's hammocks, bras for sale. (laughs) Oh dear. Okay, so moving on to your third item. Yes. Alison, is um something you inherited and I really like your answer to this as well. Something that I inherited was definitely my style. Mm. The way I carry myself. My mum always said, whenever you're on television, make sure you look decent. And that's carried with me for my whole life. I never, you know, I never have like too low a cut of a top. I always look decent. If I wear a swimming costume, I'm going to look banging in the the swimming costume. Whatever my size or anything, my mum always showed me that you could look good. My mum was into shoes. When my mum died, I went to her house. I've never seen so many shoes in my life, but wow. they were the most beautiful shoes. Some of them she'd never worn before. Stunning shoes. She was obsessed with shoes. Wherever she went, she would buy lots of shoes, but she had such great style. Her clothes, so, so stylish, and I think I've taken that definitely from her. Yeah, and so just by watching her? I just think the the way she carried herself, she used to wear rings, she used to wear bracelets, and honestly, she mm-hmm. just had an air about her. She'd wear her sunglasses. A very own bangle lady. <laughs> ivory bangle lady? Yeah. That was literally my mum. Yeah. She was literally the ivory <laughs> bangle woman. Oh my God, that's a very good link to the book. Thank you so much. <laughs> she was incredible, and not only that, she spoke really well. My mum spoke so beautifully, with quite a posh English accent, if I'm honest with you. And then when she got to know you, you could hear all those Jamaican twangs come through. Mm. When she relaxed, she'd the, like, the telephone voice. On the telephone, oh, she'd have the telephone voice, which used to always make me like, hello. <laughs> like, she was like the queen at work when she used to go to work they used to call her Miss World because she used to just come in looking like a glamour puss mm. she'd have a lip she never went anywhere without lipstick she could put lipstick on without a mirror she used to put it in the car put her lipstick on in the car and I used to think how do you get that perfect but yeah she had a, a real great sense of style and I definitely think I'm like her well I'd like to think I am yeah I think that that is kind of like a, a West African Caribbean thing as well especially with you know if you're on TV make sure you look good make you know. sure you look good you, yeah. you can't you know you've got to show up haven't you don't, yeah, don't yeah. mess around look, I'm looking at you today you've come in with your treads you've got your suit on you're not <laughs> messing around you didn't come here looking like so you came here looking good thank you're you you're on point thank you 
<laughs> it just it reminds me of a story my friend um my friend Simeon he's a he's a journalist for Channel 4 oh right yeah and the first time he was on TV I believe I remember talking to him and I was like so what did your mum think and he was like well she was just saying that my hair was too picky <laughs> really <laughs> yeah See, our parents are really, like, critical, aren't they? they? They're the only people who can actually tell you the truth. Like, don't have your hair like that or put some earrings on. Mm-hmm. My mum used to always say, put, put your lipstick on. Mm. Put your lipstick on. You go, okay. See, like, my lipstick now has worn off. She'd literally be there on my shoulder going, you can't put your lipstick on. And Derek's right, standing here. <laughs> I didn't put my lipstick on. So, yeah, I feel really bad now and self-conscious. I thought it was kind of, is it called nude? No, I didn't. it's nude because it is nude. Oh, right. <laughs> It's it's just nude. <laughs> but yeah, let's go with that. I've got nude on. Got nude on, okay. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on to your fourth item now is mm. a book you gave to a friend. Well, obviously, I gave Black in Time away. Well, I actually gave it to my friend's children, but I had one friend who called me up and she's married to a, a Jamaican guy and she just said, Dale has not stopped talking about your book. He really wants to read this book. This oh, is this is a guy so quiet and so like reserved. He really wants to read this book to our daughter. Is there any way I can get a copy? I said, a million percent, I'm going to deliver this copy to you straight away. I gave it to Dale and he just hugged me with an embrace I've never felt before. He hugged me with such pride and happiness. He went, thank you so much. I said, it's not even out until the 9th. 9th of June so you know this is hot off the press this is your book he says I'm going to read this with my daughter thank you so so very much I think it's just people have never really seen anything like this for their kids yeah. do you know what I mean yeah and it is really touching to to see people want it. You know, I've got my white friends who are phoning me up going, I want my children to read this book. Kate Lawler phoned me. She was like, I really want a book for Noah. I want to oh, get, give this to Noah. You know, they want to educate their children. How beautiful is that, that this book can educate the masses? Mm-hmm. And as you said, it's for, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Black history is our history. And that's all we need to know. It's our history and it's going to enrich us even more. Mm. That's amazing, it's amazing. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, that's a plug for the book, babes. I gave away uh, Black in Time to quite a few of my friends. I actually want to do a tour around schools. I really would that love would to go into schools and just talk about some of the characters and see what people make of it. Well, why don't you? What's stopping you? Well, I did it before. It's just time, isn't it? It's just getting oh, okay. into the schools yeah, and yeah. will people want me to go to their schools? I'd love to go into their school. And it's just to find the time more than anything. So when you were putting the book together, yeah, you know, obviously we know that children can be quite resistant to study, yeah, and especially history, they just find it boring sometimes. What was some? Did you have, come up with any ideas and think to yourself, if we did this in the book, yeah. maybe that would entice them a lot more? It was more the fact that I was going to link up certain people with certain figures from the past, for instance, uh, Nicola Adams. She's a fighter. So I linked her up to Septimius Severus. It was so that they could see someone who is literally still alive now, who's doing incredible things and link them to the historical figure. You know, they're both fighters and I wanted to link those two together. So that's kind of what I did. I also added the beautiful pictures. Do you mm-hmm. like the pictures? Mm-hmm. They're absolutely incredible. I made it colourful as much colour as possible. But I made it really easy as well. I wanted to just, like, have a page 
on the person and be able to, well, wh- who, why is this person important? What did they do? What year did they do it? So that if they just needed quick reference, because like I said, this is a book that you're going to have to keep going over. Yep. You know, you're going to have to keep studying it. It's not the sort of thing that's going to, it might not stick in your mind for a bit because obviously it's not been in, you know, you always remember Julius Caesar because mm. it was literally rammed down our throats. It's always there in our heads, but you might not necessarily remember Septimius Severus. You know, and then I just wanted a nice, fluid story about them, little facts. And then I just wanted to hear my voice every so often, adding a little bit going, can you believe that? Oh, my gosh. Can you believe this? Oh, so those interruptions were your yeah. idea. Yeah, you see, like, when I'm like, oh, really? Can you believe that? Yeah. Oh, that's not fair. Yeah, I wanted those little bits. So hopefully, I think that comes off the page. But, um, you know, I'm yet to, to hear any feedback from any kids yet. I, I've heard a lot from adults, which is lovely, mm-hmm. and they want to learn and they love the book. But it's for me, it's about what do the youngsters think? Have you heard the audio yet? I don't want to hear the audio yet. Not with no, my voice. I don't it's mind. It's amazing. Is it? It's really good. All oh, right, brilliant. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Have you listened to the audio? I've listened to the audio I, I, already. Because I'm at Penguin, I, I can sneakily download the files. Is it all right? Listen. I haven't. No one sent it to me. I need to listen <laughs> to it. But yeah, hopefully it's good. It's very good. It's yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving on to your final object, and that's something that takes you to a different time and place. Well, obviously, my book takes you to a different time and place. Mm-hmm. But other than that, for me, in my real life, something that takes me to a, a different time and place, I'm going to be honest with you, it's when I go home, I go into the back garden, I put my little bikini on, yeah, steric, I've got a bikini, <laughs> and I get into my jacuzzi. And, well, firstly, it takes me to 40 degrees, uh, which is very hot. I feel like I'm in Jamaica when I'm in my jacuzzi. And I've also got two palm trees right by the jacuzzi. So I look up, I see blue sky. Even though I'm in England, I think I'm in Jamaica. Did you do that on purpose? I did that on purpose. The two palm trees, I look up, it's blue sky. In my head, I'm in Jamaica. And that's where I go to a different time and place. I literally, I relax. I love it. That's my one. I don't let no one else, no one else is allowed in my jacuzzi, by the way. Only me. Mm-hmm. And if anyone does come into my jacuzzi, you have to go and have a shower first. You don't just come into my jacuzzi. You have Absolutely. to wash all your body creams off and everything mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, I go to a different time and place. I proper zone out. It's the time when I relax and I'm no longer working. And that's just me time. I also do it in mornings as well. About five o'clock. Sometimes I'm an early riser. So five o'clock, six o'clock, I get my jacuzzi and it's just like, oh, yes, thank you, Lord. Life is good. Yeah, sounds it. Yeah, I just, you should come over, Derry. <laughs> come over and be transported. And what else transports me to another time of life? Chinese food, Chinese food, Thai food, any sort of Asian sort of food. I'm like a different person. I'm like a little bit possessed. Like you can't even talk to me when I'm eating that food. I just absolutely love. And if anyone says, do you want to go out for dinner? I will always say either Chinese or Thai food. I'm not going to be saying McDonald's. I'm not going to be saying fish and shit. I'm not going to be saying Indian. I'm going to be saying Chinese Thai food. I just love it. Do you have a favourite restaurant? There's a few. There's one on Charlotte Street, actually, opposite the Charlotte Hotel. I can't remember what it's called, but it's a little Thai restaurant. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. Like, everyone's literally, like, sitting on top of each other inside. They do the most amazing food. Opposite Charlotte, Charlotte Street Hotel. i never forget it. Mm. Yeah, so when I'm feeling like I need to be transported, that's where I go. That's so interesting. For me, it's actually dim sum. Oh, I like dim sum I too. I love dim sum. Like, I can literally Prawn. sit... Prawn. Yes, one. yes. Oh, my God. So, or the prawn and pork one as well. Oh, yes. So I literally sit down, 
you know, put the soy sauce on it and just put it in my mouth and I just, I'm just like, mm, this is oh, just amazing. I love song. Have you yeah. ever been to one where they just give you a massive platter yeah, of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just sit there, nyamming it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so good. So good. But yeah, me and you could get on, seriously. Definitely. Let's, another way I, I find out if I, I, I would get on with somebody is to find out what part of the chicken they like best. So for me... I want to meet somebody who likes the breast because I know we would be able to eat the whole chicken because mm-hmm. I'm a thigh person and I would eat the thighs and he would eat the breast. So I'm interested to know, are you a thigh or breast person? I like a bit of both, to be honest. Oh, do you? Yeah. But when you say you like a bit of both, could you do without the thigh? No. If we were a thing, no. could you? Oh, so we couldn't be a thing? I, I couldn't. It's just, <laughs> just, just too dry sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> breast is so dry isn't it it's so dry but I know there's the most protein in it it's the health, healthiest part yeah. for you and stuff so, so I'll eat it I will definitely um, but if I'm cooking it myself I have to Go eat it as soon as it's finished so there's, there's still some juices retained in it <laughs> if I've had to leave it and put it in the fridge the next day it's, it's hell to chew through it <laughs> So, yeah. Listen, whatever you do, don't be eating chicken and reading my book at the same time because you're going to put grease on the papers <laughs> because it's quite thin, my my papers. Don't even go there with that, all right? <laughs> okay, so that's all of your items. I love what... Do I, more items! More items. I want more items. You know, I think there was, there was one more. I was going to ask you your favourite dish when it comes to Chinese there's so, food. There's so many favourite dishes. I mean, my favourite dish would be ackee and saltfish, if I'm honest with you. Because I never used to like it as a child, you know. I used to, I just wouldn't even go there. I'd be like, why does it look like scrambled egg? I'm not eating that. <laughs> anyway, as, a, as an adult, I, started, I watched my mum cook it once and I was like, let me try it then. And I tried it. I was like, mmm, this is so good. Why have I just never wanted to try it? It was just literally being a kid, not wanting to try something. It's one of my favourite dishes now. Wow. If I, if I want a nice breakfast... Uh, that's the that's the dish I'm going for, and I don't know if you know. It's also the Queen's favourite dish. Aki and saltfish. Uh, when she goes to Jamaica, yeah, Aki and saltfish is the Queen's favourite breakfast. I didn't know that. That's Apparently, it's true. Rusty Lee told me. So wow, if she says it's true, it's got to be true. It is good though. I can't eat it unfortunately because it makes Why? my throat swell. What Aki does? Aki makes my th- my throat swell. Yeah. Oh, so you you've got you're allergic to Aki? I think I, I must be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we just need to get you one of them jabs. What? You'll be fine. <laughs> Eat it and then I'll jab you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But so, but do you feel like you can't breathe? Yeah, yeah. I can literally feel oh, awful. my throat closing up. So the last time it happened, because I used to make it all the time because I loved it as well. I know I do. And I'd I would always just be struggling to breathe afterwards. And then oh, awful. One time I I made it ate it and I thought you know what let me just go to A and E. Went to A and E. And they had to give me, like, I think steroids or something. I wonder what's in it then that's making you do that. Because my son gets it when he eats certain apples. His lips blow up. Interesting. So he's there must be something in the ackee. Because ackee is a just, fruit, isn't it? It is a fruit, yeah. Mm. So it must be something, some sort of some chemical that is uh, reacting with you. I've never heard that before. Yeah, really strange. Oh, my goodness. I was gutted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be gutted. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I could make you something like just saltfish, peppers, bacon... And yes. then mix that up with some onions and everything. We can make you like a, a different one. With scrambled egg. With scrambled egg, yeah. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> well, thank you, Alison. This has been a, oh, a great you. conversation. And uh, honestly, the book is amazing. Oh, thank you. Really, really good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a couple Tell of copies friends. for myself. Definitely. Tell your friends. It's great. Definitely. So, yes, thank you for talking to us. Thank and you, Derek. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Do you want some mango? Yes, please. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
So thanks, Alison. And thank you to the listeners. The Penguin Podcast will be back in two weeks, where Nihal Afanayaka will be talking to Damon Galgut at the Hay Festival about his Booker Prize winning novel, The Promise. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. And you can leave us a review too and help get the word out. And finally, as ever, if you want to find out more about this podcast or Alison's work, go to penguin.co.uk forward slash podcast. I'm Derek Awusu. See you again soon. Listener.